Welcome to the Breaking into Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds who broke into tech. Today, we sit down with Calvin Leitner, and he's a software engineer apprentice at Intuit. His story is really interesting, and as a recent college grad from Berkeley, he followed a more traditional path and worked as a tech consultant for two years at Deloitte. At some point, he realized he wanted to try his hand in tech, and he got connected to folks from Yes We Code. For those of you who may not be familiar with Yes We Code, it's an organization that was started by Prince in his ambitious attempt to teach 100,000 poor kids to code. Today, Yes We Code's mission is to uplift urban youth through training in high-demand technical and non-technical skills to help them achieve a more promising future. On this episode, Kelvin talks about his journey to become a software engineer how Yes We Code partnership works with Dev Bootcamp, and what he went on to do after graduation. If you are someone who's interested in doing a coding bootcamp, make sure to check out and apply to Yes We Code. They provide scholarships and resources to help more people break in. So check out this episode. Also, we've put together a resources page on our website for our community. It's a list of curated schools and programs that we trust. And if you decide to apply to a bootcamp, do check out the list first and use our links to get the discounts before you apply. Just visit breakingtosarbs.com forward slash resources to see the full list. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode and let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer, Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking the Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah. So tonight, we're actually sitting uh, here with a very special guest. It's a Thursday night and it's 9 p.m. So our guest just finished up his work. He came to the to this podcast recording. And I think he told us that he's actually going to go to the gym right after. So <laughs> we don't want to hold him up for too long. We also hit a pretty big milestone. Yesterday, we hit our 50th episode. So we're very thankful to everyone who supported us to this point and who helped us spread the word to the people who are outside of tech. Ruben, can you please introduce our guest? Yeah, Timo, thank you. This is a really special day, not only because we're here with Calvin Leitner, who's really dope, but also because this is our first interview where we are interviewing someone that is a software engineer in an apprenticeship. He is also a Dev Bootcamp grad that's a double major in legal studies and economics from Berkeley. He was a consultant at Deloitte, and he's passionate about a lot of things, including logic. And so, Calvin, thank you for being with us. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into logic? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, logic is very important. I learned from a very young age that if you don't know how to think, then it's going to be hard to do whatever you want as a career, right? I started learning logic when I was studying legal studies, as you mentioned, at Berkeley. And then like, I picked up a double major because I was super interested in business as well. Yeah, like from there, like my story goes on. Like I was learning formal logic. I really wanted to go to law school at one point, realized that I'd that law school wasn't necessarily for me, but also realized that like business, I had a really big desire for business. And that's where I started like focusing more on economics. And that led to, yeah, like being recruited by Deloitte, starting off at a global internship program in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 
shifting over to working in San Francisco for about a year ish. And yeah, from there, like I entered tech. Yeah, no, no, your story, your story is super interesting. And I remember when in the pre chat, you were talking a little bit about logic. We talked a little bit about family and your upbringing. We kind of rooted you into business. So the educational environment in your family was interesting which led you to your entrepreneurship focus. And then also you talked about how you use logic to teach it to your nieces and nephews. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, dude. So I grew up in Southern California, learned very early on that I wasn't going to college based off of sports because I am not able, I'm not that tall, to be honest with you. And I actually learned my parents ingrained in me a very solid work ethic with a very large vision for whatever I wanted in life. I think that that's really important, especially in the fact that they, neither of them were college educated. They both worked from the ground up. My dad, they both of their first jobs out of high school, they worked at the same company. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was in finance, you know, like yeah. it started from like the very bottom. My mom actually just got promoted to be a director of her database in Southern California Very dope. for a hospital. My dad retired after selling his own business, nice. um, wow. trucking business. Yeah. Do what so you, you love. have some pretty big role models in your life. Yeah, dude. I'm really thankful for my family and that's what I'm trying to do now, right? I'm doing everything I'm doing in, in my career to show them that the sky is the limit, right? Yeah. And when you were in school, you had these roommates that were computer science majors. I mean, you're at Berkeley, which is one of, the, it's one of the best schools in computer science in the world. And I remember you telling us how what you were studying in logic was very similar to what, what they were doing. So can you kind of draw those parallels for us? Oh, yeah. I just have to say that with, I remember, so we were sitting, we're sitting in our dorm and like they're both studying computer science. They had both been studying computer science since like the age of six. I think they were, they were telling me, you know, basically we're working through an issue and I'm like making drawing these extreme parallels, right? Like, oh man, like you're learning this, like I'm learning this, like it's very similar. Um, but at the same time, I felt as a lot of people do feel when they're in college that it is way too late to become an engineer. And I will have to say that until a year ago, I still had that mentality, maybe from my cultural upbringing, maybe from just not being exposed to Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, et cetera, et cetera. But I just found out really late that like this job, like what I do now is amazing. I love my work, but I never thought that I was capable of it because I thought that I had to have been coding since I was six. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think this misconception is something that I know I shared when I was going through college and even after college, when you start thinking about what does a software engineer do? And a lot of the times, if you don't know, the title of software engineer may come off a little intimidating. So a lot of people might start associating things like you have to be good at math or um, you need to be like super technical or you need to be coding since you were six years old for you to even like be qualified for this role. But in reality, what happens is we think that people just inherently are born with this skill or people just somehow acquire it through like years and years of practice. But it's just once you start learning it, it's, it turns out to be just like any other subject. So if you were in school and you're able to learn Spanish or you're able to put your mind to it and learn how to like physics or math or English, then it's just any other subject. You just, it takes practice, it takes dedication and anything could be learned. 
I do think that nowadays, when you do go into college, you kind of get this pressure of picking your major way earlier on. So you mentioned in the pre-interview that even as a freshman, which how did you end up picking your majors? Because I feel like at that point in time, when you first get to college, a lot of people already start putting pressure on you to kind of pick out your career for the rest of your life. So what did you end up doing? Yeah, thank you for that. Like I, I the thing that's super interesting, um, as I look back on my college experience, I learned so much. But what I didn't learn from a very early, what I didn't learn at Berkeley or what a lot of people don't know till they've been in a career for 10 years is that usually when you choose a major your freshman year, you have a career in mind. And that mentality stays with you till after you even graduate. I'm not going to lie. I thought that I wanted to be a partner at Deloitte because that's what was preached to me. You know, like that, the vision of here are the people and like these high places who've do, been doing this their whole life. These are all their perks. This is their lifestyle. Now just do what you need to do to get there. And I think what you fail, what we've all like failed to see in like that context is that if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's not going to be worth it in the end. It does not like the end does not justify the means. And I've had very wise people tell me that, which I'm very thankful for. The thing that I am most excited for in being a software engineer is that I'm engaging like I didn't even know that I love to think this much. How did you feel? <laughs> Honestly. How did you feel uh, when you were working away from consulting? Did you feel like you were like already so invested into it or you just kind of realized that the job wasn't making you happy? Yeah. So I am so, I would like to say that I'm so fortunate to have had the experience to work in business at Deloitte globally, like in San Francisco, you work with brilliant people. There's literally some of the best people, you know, like, and they've taught me so much. So to answer your question, I felt a little bit of shame, actually. You work towards this thing your whole life, this degree, like, et cetera. And you believe that you're like, you're, you believe your first job is like, you want it to be the job that carries you like through everything, right? Because mm-hmm. you worked so hard for it. I felt like a little bit like I was turning my back on everything I learned, like even my parents, they like pulled me aside. They've always trusted in all the decisions I've made, but they were hesitant. Like they're like, Kelvin, like you have a good job. What are you doing? Is it that bad? Really? <laughs> or like, freak, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's an interesting crossroads because like my brother, he just graduated and, you know, he's thinking about his first job too. And I think that we're getting to a point where you can't just pick one job and stay in that same job for the rest of your life anymore. Do you agree with that? I do. I believe that it's most important that you're doing what you love, what gives you energy. Like where, like in reference to what I was saying earlier, I felt like I was trying to make my first job fit the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. like, right? Like, or the rest of my life fit my first job. That's mm-hmm. actually it. But towards my end of my time at cons- in consulting, I learned I wanted from my next job to thrive internally. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do the things that were giving me life. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I learned that gave me, that gives me life is thinking through hard things, you know, like through like applying that logic, right. That I like, that I studied in college and like seeing like the, the fruitful end, seeing 
a problem gets solved is like it's like a micro celebration every time like a bunch of endorphins all rush in like dopamine everything that happens i'm not i don't study science but it just it gives me it gives me life and i'm just i'm thankful to like have that as a job because i'm just like man what gives me yeah and you're getting paid to learn yeah exactly (laughs) it's like getting that feeling when you have a checklist and you're just crossing off things and you just get that little like energy boost I can relate because when you problem solve, you're kind of like you might be struggling at first and it might be something that you're about to give up on. But if you push for another, let's say, 30 minutes and you solve it, then you just walk around like feeling like you own it. And related to the team was thing that he brought up before related to like everybody while they're in college, they kind of get recruited for certain types of roles like Mm -hmm. law, investment banking, doctors, all these different types of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like maybe coding and, and STEM is like kind of like the new investment banking where like everybody may not want to go into like being a programmer, but having a marketable skill gives you more exit opportunities. And then you can pursue what you actually love. Now that you have that skill, and you can build whatever you want in that field. I don't know. Yeah, dude. I think that I'm so thankful to have it as just a skill. I know people who go to coding school just for the skill. And they go on with their day jobs because in reality, no matter what you do, moving towards this new technological age, it's so cool to be able to basically be an entrepreneur. And I think that's what I loved most, like just connecting it back to my parents and seeing how they like navigated and traversed their various obstacles. But they like, they basically made their career what it is, right? Like my dad started off being a truck driver he ended up owning his own business. My mom started literally like counting things, you know, like for a grocery store. And now she's a director. And it's cool to see that they didn't say, you know, like, oh, like we're going, like my mom did not say like, I'm going to be a director. She said, I'm going to do what I am strong at. I'm going to do like what challenges me, what I'm excited about. And like, I'm excited for the end. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it looks like she was able to figure it out. And I think the point you're trying to make is that it's not necessarily you saying that, hey, I want to be that, that you, you want to have that job in 10 years. It's just saying, hey, I'm a problem solver. I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure it out. How I'm going to get there. So I'll just trust in myself that I can achieve what I set my mind to it. And I'm just going to go out and do it. Before this, you were talking about how you were finishing up your time at Deloitte. Can you take us back to that moment when you realized that you wanted to do something else with your career? And then how did you come up with a roadmap? Or was there someone in your life who helped you come up with a plan for your next steps? Yeah. The very moment I realized that I may not be in my current position for the rest of my life was the moment that, and I think we all have these moments in life, but I was sitting there like at my desk and... I just wasn't thankful. Like I had, I had, I didn't really have much to be thankful for. And I asked myself, like, is it me? Like, right? Like, is it? Should I? Like, why am I not? Why is this not a perfect fit? And I think the point where a lot of people would give up and just say, no, 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 like, hush thoughts, hush fears. I had people in my life say, hey, is there anything that's valid at all? Any of those things that you're thinking or feeling? And if so, don't be afraid to like, to take, like to run with those doors. And so like, it was baby steps, man. Like it was like, okay, well, 
if this is not something that like it, like I told you my vision changed from, I want to do this as a career versus like, what do I like to do? Like it's quality. It's like about me now. Like what, what do I like to do? Let me explore various options. Like, and that's when I started learning how to code. I picked up JavaScript. I talked to friends about what they do, why they actually like it. Are they just doing it because their parents wanted them to do it? You know, like I, um, and that's when like I talked to a good friend of mine, uh, my best friend's wife, actually. She went to dev boot camp uh, three years ago and she has an amazing story. Like she was a history major, et cetera, et cetera. And like graduated college and she like, right when like boot camps were like, starting to like thrive and people were starting to like give like attention to them like uh, she took the chance and like I think that that step alone inspired me to at least even look into software engineering as an opportunity like and, and so I was just like let me just go to to like mixers or like graduation ceremonies and so I went to dev bootcamp's graduation ceremony I ended up meeting and it's funny because it's the little decisions that we make that end up making the largest impact. I am mm-hmm. where I am today because I went to that graduation ceremony. Mm-hmm. I met with a young woman named Tamara Walker, who is a part of Yes Be Code. Started like having a simple conversation with her. Learned about Dev Bootcamp. Learned about Yes Be Code's partnership with Dev Bootcamp. How they like how basically like in like our conversation like kept going from one thing to another. Like, what are you interested in? Like, where are you trying to go to? What is it like to be an African-American male in the city and working to like, hey, we want to interview you. Uh, we would love to interview you about like, about like joining our cohort at Yes We Code um, that partners with Dev Bootcamp to see minority students be successful in the tech industry, you know? Got it. So for the people that don't know Yes We Code, can you tell people a little bit more about Yes We Code and, and their partnership with Dev Bootcamp? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we code is they. It's kind of funny. Dev bootcamp was the amazing experience that I received, the amazing learning, and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we code was like my micro family that helps me get through that. Right, like nice. my family is in Southern California, but Yes, we code function as a family to me. Right, they support you financially. They provide a safe space for you for people who look like you to traverse the micro struggles that being new to tech, being a minority in tech uh, faced, they helped me with the confidence to know that there are people rooting. And I think that that is so important, especially being new to this industry. Yeah. And even before that industry, you talked about in high school and college, and even in your workplace as a consultant, you experienced being like the only African-American male. Yeah. Yeah. Always the only one. Yeah. And then going into Dev Bootcamp, you started off talking about respect and something very unique that they did that really resonated deeply with you. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. It was my honor to partner with Yes we Code to attend Dev Bootcamp um, because one of the things that Dev Bootcamp does extremely well is they tailor your learning to you. I think that that is really important because being an engineer, making a career move is about having the confidence to continually and frequently challenge yourself. Like you're always going to be like you, what they teach you number one first day is how do you, can you fail well? We want you to fail well. And <clears throat> what I mean by that 
is that don't be afraid of failure because you will fail a hundred times today when your code doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, and so what we want is to empower you though. And however long it takes, like we're going to partner with you. Yes, we code like did that through providing a family for my learning experience. Dev Bootcamp did that through their engineering empathy sessions, through this environment of inclusion and safety and just also like also a plethora of people with all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah. And is Yes We Code partner with any other boot camps? And then kind of you mentioned this little family kind of it was a group of people that helped you kind of be there for you if you needed them. So were there other students that were part of Yes We Code that were also attending to have boot camp when you guys had like your own little huddles and kind of your own space? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question, Yes We Code like on like we would we would have extra study sessions right we would have extra study sessions we would like they have not partnered with any other coding organization yet but i know that that's definitely something that is like on the horizon as everyone traverses this these issues that are growing and becoming more prevalent especially with minorities in tech but one of the things like so we had like we had like study sessions we had like personal like one on one time like we got direct, we actually got more feedback from the people, the, the tutors, et cetera, at Dev Bootcamp to make sure that we were receiving, uh, like receiving the proper feedback necessary for us to grow even more. And like I had more check-ins with people and it was so, it was so beneficial, honestly. Like it was like, oh, like you're, you're great at, you're super strong at this area, but in this area, like you can be, like you can get a lot better. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. Like now I can take that to my study session where we're helping each other, like we're pairing stronger and like weaker people and like we're like pairing them together and we are hoping to lift a community, right? Like, cause Yes We Code is about lifting the community of minority students. And so it's like- Yeah, like and to like, someone listening right now, um, what does that application process look like? If you want to apply to Yes We Code, do you go through Yes We Code and once you accept it by them, then you just- automatically get enrolled into Dev Bootcamp or you have to apply to both schools. Can you just provide a little bit more insight into what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So basically uh, you apply to Yes We Code and at least the process for me was that I applied to Yes We Code. I actually had my own interview process there. They selected me and they then they like asked for you to walk through the selection process at Dev Bootcamp. And then once you're accepted there, you're part of a cohort. And so like they will like, you will have like a co like my cohort was like six to eight people. And yeah, the reason why it's called yes, be code, by the way, I'm not sure if not many people, if many people know this is because of hoodies, right? Like I have a black hoodie that has hashtag yes, be code on it because yes, be code started like the thought of yes, be code started right after Trayvon Martin. And the fact that in Silicon Valley, a person of color or a person of, or whatever, like in Silicon Valley, hoodies mean you're a software engineer, mm-hmm. but in the rest of the United States and the rest of the world, like hoodies mean that you're dangerous and people will lose their lives over wearing something as simple as a hoodie. Yeah. And so to have like, to wear a hoodie that says, yes, we code. is super interesting because like, yes, like I code, like as I'm wearing this hoodie, I'm not a threat. Like it's, it's super interesting. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's, that's really deep. And um, definitely changed a lot of perspectives. And, and I know when you were thinking about getting into the Yes We Code program, you talked about a lot of things that you did to prepare. So can you tell us 
like the types of questions that they ask and what you did to prepare in order to not just get into Yes We Code, but even get into Dev Bootcamp and go through their technical interview process and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of free resources for coding is growing every single day. And we mentioned like things like free code camp and et cetera. Treehouse. Yeah, Treehouse. And actually, if you're ever familiar with the Udemy, Nano degree. Nano degree programs, like it's amazing because you can. I actually strongly believe that anyone anywhere can use those resources online and bootstrap themselves to a level of a software engineer. Because that's what boot camps are, right? It's a bootstrapping process. And so like I bootstrapped myself in a very macro like level. And I did that through learning JavaScript. I remember writing my first couple of lines of JavaScript. I was like able to make a, a loop, you know, like function. <laughs> I'm like, things are printing out on the console. I'm like, what? Like this is this is kind of like rewarding. Yeah. And then from there on, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And for the people that don't know, you you can you walk through what engineering empathy is? Yeah, engineering empathy. Engineering empathy is the merging of modern day empathy principles to a sector that is actually facing them very newly because of a growth in diversity, because of like the necessity for tech to expand its scope and who it hires. One of the most powerful empathy sessions I had at Dev Bootcamp was safety. The simple fact that it is very important that people feel heard and known, right? Like, despite however much they want to like speak or like however much they want you to know of them, that you hear them, that you listen, that you value them as a person. I even remember, like, for the first time in my life, too, like, I we have like the every time you introduce yourself at Dev Bootcamp or you're in our in our like huddle, you say, "Hey, my name is Kelvin Leitner." My preferred pronouns are his, him. Yeah. And that idea of a preferred pronoun, man, it is like so powerful. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of respect out of love for the people who are next to you. If you like it's something as simple as if you're calling someone by their preferred pronoun, then like there's so many doors that are already open. Right. Yeah. And those are like little things that in a new tech in like in a new sector like tech are just very important. Yeah. And you know? and related to that love and that family that you've been covering. Something else that you covered in the pre-chat was phases. And so can you tell us a little bit more about what phases are at a boot camp or and specifically at Dev Boot Camp? Yeah, totally. So um everyone starts off in phase zero, obviously. Zero index for engineers out there. Phase zero is when you basically they walk you through like a bootstrapping, like a micro bootstrapping where You learn the fundamentals of Ruby and JavaScript. Phase one is when you go in and you start learning about like a little bit of like the bigger picture, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, like how these things work. Phase two is where you deep dive into uh, front end versus back end, right? And you hone in on those skills of front end and you hone in on those skills of back end. And then phase three is a very important phase because by that point, by phase three, um, and all of these phases are three weeks, by the way. By phase three, you are expected to get into a team and build a project. And it's a phenomenal process because that's where you learn why it's so important to like use a proper Git workflow like that you learn way back in phase zero. That, you, like, that you're like, oh, how is this relevant? 
but you're a, like, you're a functioning scrum team. You're a functioning engineer by phase three. And so you're just like, let's, let's do the things. Let's, let's get together. Would you say that kind of like all comes together? Like as soon as you start building projects, like you're like, you start realizing, oh, that's why I learned this, uh, how to use this tool, or that, that's why I learned how to use this technology. And it all just comes together. And absolutely. What did I, it feel like when you build your first application? Dude, I had the privilege of pitching an idea and my idea was chosen by my cohort. So I had the privilege of like leading my scrum team for the two we- like for the two weeks that we do final projects. And do you learn so much about what everything comes together technically, but even like what it means to like function as a team is wild. Like I can say that from the last two weeks at Dev Bootcamp. I learned how to function in my current role as a software apprentice, you know, like add into it. Being in a team is hard. Being with people is hard. And so this is where all those empathy sessions and all those valuing people, valuing their strengths, pairing the weak with the strong, like this is where all those ideas come in. And you actually start to develop an ethic to what you're learning, right? Like, like what's most important is that no one is left behind versus what this project is going to be when it's done. And it they often end up being phenomenal because we have a ton of respect for each other. Yeah. You know? And um, I know you had the privilege of going and getting your traditional degree from Berkeley. And then now you had this opportunity to go through Dev Bootcamp. Can you compare your day-to-day of what does it look like to show up to class? And then what do you actually do from whatever, like nine to six or nine to eight that you're actually spending time there? Yeah. Day-to-day activities, very different. Like, uh, usually college, you have classes that you just go to. For a boot camp, it's extremely immersive, meaning you wake up, usually have breakfast there. You like join like your huddle, you go through like your constant learning. And for the majority of the day at Dev Bootcamp, you actually pair programming. So important. Like the ability to pair program, it's so important for so many different reasons, including and especially the learning aspect. You will learn more from a pair programming session than, you know, like at that level, you will learn more from a pair programming session than if you were to just study a book on your own or even code on your own. And can you tell our listeners what what you mean by pair programming? Yeah. Pair programming is when two people are working through the same code base, it geared towards the same issues, right? Like, and usually there's one or two keyboards or mice and like uh, this, it varies depending, but basically you're there to help each other. In like a traditional model, there's like a driver, a person who is a driver and there's a navigator, right? Like I might confuse this, yep. you know, like, is it like Batman and Robin. It's like Batman and Robin. Basically, there's a person who sits back and says, hey, can you like, have you thought about this or doing this or that or that? Like, and they basically walk you through and there's a person who actually does the coding. And usually a lot of people hate it at first. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I hated it too at first. I was like. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. You know, like also, like, let me just I, see that keyboard. Exactly. That's kind of like a backseat driver. Oh, yeah. Um. And it's interesting because at first you're like, wow, like maybe I, I feel like we're not like the same, or like maybe I'm more advanced or they're less advanced or I'm caring or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So it's like an associate and an analyst yeah, at but, an investment bank. But the thing is you switch, like some people switch every five minutes and people switch every 30 minutes. So exactly. you're not, it's not like one is superior to another. It's more Absolutely like not. if you were solving a puzzle and one person is not allowed to touch the puzzle pieces, the other person is allowed to touch them. Exactly. So it's like, and, you're like, hey, let's yeah. try this piece over there. But like you can't touch it. And it's almost like looked down upon if you kind of 
if you navigate and drive at the same time, because then you're, you're doing it alone, you're not involving the other person. So I think the interaction overall of like working intimately together, because you can do solve the problem that you're trying to solve without involving the other person, because only one of you could navigate it, only one of you could drive. Absolutely. And you like, this is where I think we started to realize like much like, like later on, like everyone learns uniquely and like everyone learns unique things. I cannot tell you, like, I am the engineer I am today because people told me little tricks along the way when they were the driver, the navigator. And I do that for other people. And it's like this constant flow of knowledge, right? Like, like that knowledge needs to happen. It's like, it's kind of like crucial in like the tech world, right? Yeah. Um, I love pair programming with anyone at like my, on my scrum team. I'm like, teach me. Like, I just want to consume, yeah. you know, like, but I'm excited. It's like be at the point where I'm just like, yeah, like also I actually clue them in on things too, mm-hmm. right? Because stacks change. I'm more familiar with ES6 or which is just the syntax of JavaScript. Like, and so I'm like, oh, do you know that you can do this? And they're like, what? That changed my life. And so <laughs> yeah. it's like this yeah. constant flow I mean, you of say knowledge. Is, is that constant flow of knowledge is crucial for the tech world. It sounds like it might be crucial just for the world in general when it comes to education, just kind of like this mentor, like apprenticeship type of model. Mm-hmm. Was just kind of like pair. Pro- is that kind of how you would think about? I think I think the biggest thing with pair programming is you can exert like you, if you're working with someone else, and let's say you're in the role where you're navigating and the other person is driving. So the driver can only type things that you tell them to type. So you almost don't want to come off as a dictator to be like, "Hey, on this line, type in letter A." You want to explain to them why you're doing it. So Absolutely. in the process, you're almost giving away like these cheat codes that you have that you've learned over the last how many months doing this. So you're like, oh, like, so this is the shortcut that I've used to switch between tabs. And then the other person might be sitting there and, and he or she didn't know that you can do that. So then they're like, oh, cool. Like now I retain this information. So then by you switching back and forth, there are things that you know, there's things that that person knows and you're constantly sharing that. And that's just like priceless um, knowledge that you can't just get by reading a book that says, hey, this is how you write a piece of code because they're telling you the finished product versus how do you actually come up to that conclusion, right? Absolutely. Very dope. Yeah. Very dope. Cool. And so for a lot of people, we talk about job search after the boot camp. Yeah. And for you, what was that process like? I know we talked a little bit about it. Can you break it down for other people? Yeah, Absolutely. I am one of the success, like one of the success stories of boot camps. Um, it took me 50 days to get oh, a wow. job from Congrats. graduate. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, to get a job from graduating dev boot camp to um, working it into it. How many resumes was that? Oh man, that's something that we can all do a little bit better in <laughs> like this coding boot camp world. Like tell people the struggle because it is a struggle and on yeah. this podcast we do want to hear we definitely want to hear the struggle we like, so. <laughs> we like data let's yeah. get some numbers so estimates give us an idea oh man okay well not to mention i'm not even going to include all of the posts like applications through linkedin you know like or applications through convenience sources i probably on average put out maybe 50 to 60 resumes. This is actually, I had a shift in my logic of how I was going to get a job. When you first graduated bootcamp, you're like, I'm going to apply everywhere. It's a numbers game. As long as like everyone has my resume, et cetera, et cetera. Also the resumes, like what they don't tell you is that the resumes go through revision after revision. You're constantly building your portfolio, Mm -hmm. constantly working on new, like new 
new projects, you know, like you're, you're trying to sell yourself basically. And so, so selling's an element. Oh man. It is so important from the very words you use on your resume. Telling your story. Oh, telling your story. It's that little blur box on LinkedIn, <laughs> like where you just give a little like window into the rest of your life. Um, everything is like, everything is so important because people find jobs in the craziest of ways. Like you never know. And all of my friends have different stories. Some like one person met their boss like at a, a happy hour that their friend dragged them to. Another one is a friend of a friend. Another one is like another one is like a an, like an old high school person that like they saw on the bus. Like it's it's crazy because and some of them it's uh the one of those big portals where they accept three thousand applicants, you know, <laughs> which is very rare, you know. But what I saw is that there was a phase where I cranked out so many applications and I probably like say I had 50, 60 for a solid like month and a half. Like, so that's 50 or 60 a day? No. Oh man, that would be crazy. <laughs> I wish like <laughs> productivity. Uh, that's like 50 or 60 a week. And with oh, that, week. Oh, wow. with that, I had to include a cover letter. Oh and my gosh, I hate cover letters. I, dude, they, were, <laughs> they were the worst at that time. And I had to find a point of interest with someone at a company close to them. Like, so. Oh, so you did, you did that. You did that additional due diligence. You had to do the due diligence. It's important. It's important. So did you reach out to those people that you found a point of interest? I reached out to people. I messaged people on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I bombarded my friends. And it's it's nice because you actually see that your community is really important, right? Um, But I actually landed my job through Yes We Code's partnership with, the various companies in the Bay Area and Intuit is as a phenomenal company. They like, they've actually had this apprenticeship model for years now. And yes, we could partnered with them and their first apprentice was the apprentice before me. And so they have a very structured program, like structured apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. And I've like been learning and growing a ton from them. I'm like yeah. done with that in a couple of weeks and I'm like really excited. You know? Yeah, no, this is definitely really unique because, um, you know, people are, talking about bringing jobs to america and like this kind of like junior engineer thing and how apprenticeships are the way and like companies like intuit to have this existing for years and now that they're becoming in vogue and more companies are thinking about building them what does that program look like there and what's your advice for other companies thinking about starting apprenticeship programs absolutely as an apprentice i value it when my company sees my worth when they treat me as an engineer, as an engineer who is and will be working there full time. And they've treated me like that since day one. They've given that goes back to the respect thing. Absolutely. Respect, the opportunity to learn. Like we have enough barriers in our own mind to like have them in the workplace. And I think the one thing that Intuit has done very well is they have been my advocate, right? And as an advocate, they have paired me with a buddy, you know, like that I constantly like who was on my scrum team doing the things that I do. Like she was my first point of learning. And now I'm just working with everyone because like I'm a functioning member of the team. And their goal the entire, di- the entire time was not to bring the bar down to me, but it was to bring me up to the bar if I needed it. And I, I say that with very specific words, including the if statement. My manager, he interviewed me, he hired me. Um, he told me three weeks ago in my check-in with him, that he knew that I was going to be strong, that I was going to be strong technically. Awesome. And I, 
That's crazy because I like yeah. This is this is a first opportunity as an engineer, and the person in leadership comes down and says, "I know that you're going to be a strong engineer." Wild, and I'm just like, how how did I get so lucky, right? And he was like, "Now my whole thing is, I want you to be very well acquainted with the workflow, with the ins and outs, because there's a lot of soft learning that goes on to like working, goes into working and changing sectors. Consulting is very different." Mm-hmm. than engineering like i like i've learned so many things right but he's been my advocate from day one right and yeah. um, i think that as these companies are starting and growing apprenticeship programs yes it is important like i feel like it's important i'm glad that they're happening right because we do like the face of tech is it needs to change because there is value in a diversity of opinion right mm-hmm. But like the ends do not justify the means. And I, I will always say that because it's so important to raise the next generation of engineers mm-hmm. and to not just have programs that are advocating for them in a very micro level, like an internship. But to, as an apprentice, you're, I'm rolling on to full time. Like, I, like I, I stop on Friday and I will go back to work on Monday. And I think that that's very important, right? And also like having the ability to see and spot the soft things of like what makes someone successful, you know, like at a company. And like, what I mean by that is that it meant the most to me to tell, like for me to hear that, like I was going to be strong technically, but what I appreciated even more was that was him telling me, this was my plan for you to get to this first, like software engineer one position like this. My goal, well, I saw your strengths, but also see your weaknesses. And so I feel like these programs should be tailored right to people much like my dev bootcamp learning experience, tailor it to my growth and my learning because that's where I'm going to thrive most, right? Yeah. So I, I'm going to throw out a monkey wrench question. So I think that all the things that you said are, are amazing. I think that they're, they're very important. And so for large organizations like Intuit, I, I can see them training multiple apprentices at the same time. Do you think that this is a model that can be applied at scale with a bunch of people? Because there's, there's a lot of people outside of tech that need to get these skills and you know, what are your thoughts for a startup that's thinking about like apprenticeship programs? Oh, yeah. Integration. I think that this apprenticeship model can go, it can go amazing places, right? Because yeah. it's recognizing that not all talent needs to come from a traditional background, this traditional major. But like the most thing, the thing that's most beneficial is just integration. So as long as you have scrum teams, put them on it. Like you're going to, they're going to learn through experience, through pair programming, through being there and doing the things and like, don't like, like if someone like is like has learned and it's cool because even like, no matter what like being like, basically being a graduate of a boot camp and going out into like the working world, you're automatically like, you're like a sign for like, here's what like you, what can happen if you go to boot camp. It's amazing technically what that even means, you know, like, and it's so very valuable to like take like to have confidence in what you've learned and what you know and know that even if you don't know the thing or the stack that you will learn it right like that you can learn it even you know like and so like i feel like companies like they like they have to they have to stop like with the like you didn't study java in college because like I will study it on the weekends and I will get there, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I think there's a huge like selection bias benefit to these companies because people who will attend boot camps, who will put themselves through this intense experience of 
acquiring new skills. These people are already like overachievers. They're already self-motivated. They know how to learn. They're pushing themselves. So by giving them an opportunity to enter the workforce, you're actually benefiting tremendously because not only is this person going to be pretty uh, like technically sound, he's also going to, he or she is going to also introduce their own unique kind of uh, spice to the environment. And if these people come from natural backgrounds, that's a benefit to the product they're building, right? Oh man, yes. Like what do you think you brought to the table beyond just the engineering skills? Yeah. I love people. Mm -hmm. I love people. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because people like, like I remember telling people that I was going to boot camp. They're like, oh, you love people too much to be a software engineer. (laughs) I'm like, what, what does that even mean? But like the the best thing is Mm -hmm. like the fact that like I introduce a little bit more camaraderie to my team, to my environment. When I go there, I make it a little bit easier. Like I'm not very threatening, right? Like I want to be approachable and like, I feel like that lowers walls because culture is important. Culture is so important. I think it's important to have a diverse opinion. Like it's so beneficial for me to work on Intuit products, right? Like with like a consult, a tax consultant, old tax consultant mindset, right? Like it's like the little things like that, that we really have to like cherish and bring out of people no matter what their background is. You have know? you been able to teach them some of the stuff you learn like from your logic background into the, into the workplace? Not fully, but kind of yes, because I like I like I remember like one of the one of the things that I was learning was I think debugging is just extremely important, right? And specifically debugging like what debugging look like in my context of front end or back end, et cetera, et cetera, like a bunch of jargon. But like my like senior asked me, she was like, like how like what's your typical thought flow, like thought process? And I literally, like I literally wrote logic steps. And she was like, "Do you do this often?" And I was like, <laughs> "This is what I studied." Like I, I love being able to take one like into another, and I so I love clarifying too. If you're telling me to do something, I would love to add like a point of clarity. Like, does this mean this? Does it mean this? Mean this? And like, oh, I can see that. No, it doesn't. So it helps you ask better questions. I think that's like one of like the strongest bits of feedback I've had. Like you ask great questions. And so I like maybe like maybe people have learned from that, like too, you know? Yeah. But a lot of times you could tell how you understand something is by the types of questions that you ask or or just how you're thinking about it is yeah. part of this. Yeah. Or even bringing up issues that they may have not heard of or made assumptions that aren't valid. Cause the big thing about like getting more diversity in tech is actually cause if you have a team that's diverse, they could build a product that's that's going to compel, be appealing to way more people, right? So Absolutely. you asking them questions or even like probing, it's kind of pushing a little bit deeper. That's actually going to make the product better, not worse. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round. And this is where the three of us will ask you several questions. Try to provide brief answers, but fill them with any tactics or strategies that you've used to get to where you are today. Awesome. Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So imagine if you were um, kind of starting a career from scratch, you're moving to a new city and you were operating on limited resources. So let's assume you shelter and food was taken care of, but you only had $100 to spend. How would you spend that $100 and what would you do to get yourself back on the feed and launch yourself into this new tech career? Absolutely. Man, those are a lot of factors that are very real too. Like everywhere, <laughs> every, like people go through, like this is, yeah. that was my life for a while too. Um, So new city, like 
new like new opportunities, not much financial resources. What I would do is I would plan for longevity, meaning that I would uh, create and like maybe that $100 went to me putting like, even though $100 isn't enough, like putting a down payment on a car and getting like recurring income, right? And then with that, like with the fundamentals set, I would then seek to learn and expand my knowledge about my environment, about what people do and how they do it and like, Mm -hmm. et cetera, like so that I could plan, you Mm -hmm. know, like. So like, would you use that car for like to drive Lyft or Uber to like start making more money dude you had you had me you had me pinned dude that's it i guess that's what <laughs> i would do your dad was a truck driver he yep. leveraged that to turn into a business he was absolutely. planning for longevity that's, yeah, that's a good answer somebody asked me this question today when we started the meeting so i'm going to ask it to you too what's something that you learned today man love that question what i learned today i learned that sleep is very important, <laughs> it's, important. <laughs> it's it's super important i um did not get much sleep last night and it is it affects my affects the work I do it affects everything but like technically I learned that sometimes it's important to time yourself with your problem solving like it's wise to know when to ask a question and when to keep diving deeper wow right? that's good I learned something just now that's a good answer yeah so Take us back. So maybe take us back to the moment when um, you were graduating from college, knowing what you know now, what's that one piece of advice that you would want your old self to know, having gone through this whole journey? Hmm. Yeah, I would tell my old self that it's okay to not have it all figured out, that life is a process and a journey, and that you will become who you are based off of the little decisions you make every day mm-hmm. versus all the big ones that you are like leaping towards. Yeah. Yeah. And given that we were talking a little bit about advice and you are a follower of logic, is there any specific philosopher that inspires you and, or any gems that you've learned over all your studies that you would uh, want to share with your nieces and nephews? Yeah, that's a good question. I want my nieces and nephews I want them as young black kids growing up to know that their worth is not in what other people say or perceive, but their worth is in, like their worth is definite. They are valued. They are loved. They are supported. Because if we stop taking in what society or accepting the limitations that everyone else is putting on us, then like, we get to genuinely ask ourselves, what are the limitations I'm putting on myself? And you get to say, man, I can blow past those, right? I can now blow past those because like, it doesn't matter, Kelvin, like if I was supposed to be a successful lawyer or a successful tax consultant or a successful software engineer, right? Like what's most important is that every single day, I know that I'm, I am valued, I'm loved. I'm accepted because like my family, like I told you, like they're the reason why I do these things. And like now, because of them, I can go wherever I want and do whatever I want and achieve whatever I want because I have a family. Like that's where like my core is found, you know, like and like friends are in there too, you know, like I have a core that's radiating that's not being stifled by what's around me. Yeah. Right. Like even though like I'm a minority in Silicon Valley or whatever else. 
like, it's funny because like my goals are like, like, what do you want to be in 10 years? I'm just like, man, I used to say I want to be this position, but now yeah. I'm like, I want to be a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a dad, you know, like maybe I want to be like, I want to learn what trust and genuineness and faithfulness is like, I want to like have like the joy and benefit of providing and taking care of and being generous to other people. And I want to lift other people up. Yeah. Right? Like, and and I, I love that answer because it goes back to Archer's original questions about the $100 and something that my partner says where I um, mean, related to what you're saying about knowing your value and the power that you have inside of you. My partner talks a lot about like, let's say you take a $100 bill, you fold it in half, it's still worth $100. You fold it in half again, it's worth $100. You crumple it up, it's still worth $100. You stomp on it, still, you unfold it, it's still $100. No matter what people say, you have power inside of you. And I, I love that. That message is strong. Yeah, that's super deep. I love that analogy too, Ruben. So for our listeners who want to also jump into learning how to code or kind of find their next career, what are some resources that you would recommend they go to like tonight if they want to start learning how to code? Absolutely. Type in learn to code on Google and have a field day. <laughs> you know, um, But in all seriousness... I mentioned Udemy. I mentioned actually one thing that is really cool is like Treehouse. Like, and I know you mentioned Treehouse. Yeah. That's available to anyone with a library card and everyone can have a library card. I didn't know that. Yes. And how that's really cool, that's right? Because cool. that's like access for everyone despite. And libraries um, are cool too. Oh, and libraries <laughs> are amazing. You know, like, but that's like, that's access. So you could sign up for Trias just with your library card? Just your library card. And it's like, it's, and like, and that's, and, and that will be free. Yeah. Right? Wow. Because yeah. like, explore the free resources out yeah. there. Say, that's, type that's in. I, that's something that I've learned today. Yeah. <laughs> I actually started out on Treehouse too. And nice. I think I signed up for a bunch of free trials uh, on different credit cards. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm paying for it right now for my brother. So, I'm happy to support it. Um, but yeah. for the people that don't have those resources, yeah. no, like that's, that's amazing. It encourages you to go into an environment that has books too, because there's other books like Cracking the Coding Interview and other things Absolutely. that you can read too. And these are free and they're all free. Like I love, I want to emphasize that because- you can learn to code for free. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Love that too. Awesome. And for the listeners who want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, please reach out to me via LinkedIn, Kelvin Leitner, K-E-L-V-I-N, Leitner, like a light and then N-E-R. Please reach out via LinkedIn, via, I don't know, Facebook. If you find me on Facebook, I'm always willing and able to, if, as long as I'm able, I'm so willing to share my story. Um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah, take him up on it because he's um, he knows a lot about Yes We Code, great organization, and Dev Bootcamp. And I think my takeaway from this episode was kind of it all changed for you when you went to the graduation party for graduation party at Dev Bootcamp. Yeah, and there's so many bootcamps; they're graduating people all the time. So my challenge to the listeners is: if you want to take action, number one, go on Google, type and learn, learn to code, and start taking classes. And number two is. Go find a boot camp in your city and attend a graduation day and then just see, start meeting people, start immersing yourself in that environment and then you'll be amazed by what happens next. Yeah, yeah. And, and no, you've definitely lit up the room. We appreciate your energy and are excited to see how many more people that you uplift in the future. Thank yeah. you. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Calvin. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews. 
by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.